Well, we're about a week and a half into a brand new year, and it's been great seeing how well the people of our country are getting along, hasn't it? (laughs) We've been doing a great job of uh, letting go of offense and traveling light. You know, every so often there are sermon series, you plan them out ahead of time, and you find out that when they actually come, it's kind of like the, the perfect series at the perfect time. Um, this particular series for me, and maybe you're feeling the same way, is one of those series that was planned and has come at the perfect time. I think many of us probably are still somewhat surprised or maybe very surprised that some of the pictures and some of the scenes that we saw on Wednesday Uh, seeing people in Washington, D.C. climbing walls around the Capitol, breaking windows, uh, inhabiting people's offices, going on to the, the House floor. There's a lot going on in our country, as it seems like it's been for quite a while. And frankly, there's a lot of healing that needs to happen. It's very, very evident it's been that way for a while. And it's complicated. People are hurting. Trust is at an all-time low. And so people feel as if they're misunderstood, that they, they're misled, and they're angry. And we probably shouldn't be real surprised that there's anger. As we talked about last week, we live in a broken world. And we get hurt and people get hurt, and so anger pops up. But what we talked about last week and really at the heart of this series is simply this, that offense is going to happen. Things are going to happen in our lives that are going to cause us to be offended and to get angry. And yet here's the thing, And as people who have the Holy Spirit living in us as Christians, this becomes even more the truth that you can choose how to respond. Offense is going to happen, but you can choose how to respond. What we've been seeing for a while now is that people have not been able to navigate in a healthy way the things that they're feeling. In fact, there's this growing trend, it would seem, in our country. I know that in other countries and in other eras, this has been the truth for a while, but a growing trend in our country that if you feel like there's some sort of injustice or someone has wronged you or something that you don't agree with or don't like, that in those instances, it's okay to sort of take things into your own hands, even if it means even if it means breaking the law. That if you're angry about something or if you're passionate about something, if there's some sort of injustice that it's, that it's okay to hurt people, it's okay to steal things, it's okay to tear things down, it's okay to raise havoc. And yet, maybe the way that we could think about it, at least what we're seemingly hearing from people a growing trend that if, if I've been hurt, it's okay to hurt others. 
If I've been hurt, well, then it's okay if I hurt other people. And you know what's so ironic about this? This is one of the very first things that parents often teach their children not to do as they're going into school. Little Susie, if your classmates mean to you, that doesn't mean you need to be mean back to her. And yet when we look at our country, the adults are worse than the children, aren't they? And I'm not saying that this is easy. And when there is injustice, in a perfect world, there should be justice. But here's what I also know. That is not up to us as individuals in a country with a government to take things into our own hands and to find justice on our own. That's why Romans 13 and other places in scripture, God tells us that he gives us the government. And frankly, what we've been seeing is not justice. What we've been seeing is people feeling anger and then not knowing how to control it or what to do with it. (laughs) And I can't control those things. I can't control much. And I'm not a politician by any means, Thankfully, I'm a pastor. And so I get to speak to all of you online or in the room. And people of God, we can do better. People of God, people who've been changed by Jesus Christ, we can be different. And when we do better and when we are different, you know what else happens? And as we do, we can also make a difference. Maybe not on a national level, I don't know. Maybe you have that kind of influence. But what we can do is make a difference with the people at our school, the people at our job, the people in our neighborhoods. And here's the thing, we're not gonna be able to do that if we let whatever it is we're feeling in this series, especially anger, just run rampant. We're not gonna be able to make a difference when we react to the anger in our hearts, but instead to use that anger and to react to it in a healthy way. This is really, really hard, traveling light. This is really, really hard, letting go of offense. This is really, really hard, being unoffendable. And what I'm gonna talk to you about today is I think probably the central key to how to navigate anger, but I'm gonna warn you, it's not easy either. We're gonna look at two more verses in the same exact chapter of Ephesians that we were in last week. Last week, we looked at two verses that Pastor Paul wrote uh, to the church in Ephesus. Today, we're gonna look at just two more, beginning with verse 31, Ephesians 4, verse 31. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And there you go. There's the direction. You're feeling anger? Get rid of it. Stop it. Quit it. We're done. Let's pray.
go home. (laughs) If it was that easy, I think we would do it. Paul says, get rid of it. The the Greek word for get rid here um, has the kind of word picture as if, let's say, you've ever been walking in a basement or maybe in a cabin or, or maybe even your house and you walk and all of a sudden you feel like a cobweb or a spider web on your face, do you just leave it there? (laughs) You get rid of that thing as quickly as possible. You pull it off. No one walks around with cobwebs on their face. There might be a spider there too, right? We get that thing off right away. That's what Paul's encouraging here with the word get rid of. It's a very similar thought from a couple verses earlier where we looked at last week, the idea of not letting the sun go down on your anger, to get rid of it quickly. Today's first fill-in when it comes to letting go of offense is this, get rid of all anger. Last week, we looked at how Anger can play a good role. That anger is not necessarily a sin in and of itself. That anger is not the opposite of love. Anger comes when you do love something. But that, much like a cobweb on your face, we need to get rid of it quickly. And that sounds so simple, doesn't it? It sounds that way, but you and I know that it is not. Getting rid of that anger is not easy at all. And if we don't, it quickly becomes bitterness and rage and frustration and all of those things. And and when you hear someone write something like this, like Paul does, I suppose there's a part of us that wonders, you know, can Paul really even relate? When someone writes something that radical, we begin to wonder whether does he even have the position, is he even the position to understand what I might be feeling? And I I gave you a little bit of Paul's background last week, but I want to expand on that a little bit this week. You know, when, when Paul was writing the letter to the Ephesians, the words that he was just writing, he was not in some sort of Mediterranean, all inclusive resort. Some of you might know this, but where Paul was when he was writing these words was in a Roman prison. And if you look at Paul's life, you see a man who had every reason to harbor anger and bitterness. As he's sitting in a Roman prison, his current friends are nowhere to be found to help him. His former friends are the reason why he's in prison in the first place. Paul had reason to be angry with Christians. He had reason to be angry with Jews. And in many ways, even though it would have been unwarranted, from an outside perspective, Paul would have even had reason to be mad at God. If you know anything about Saul's life, then turns into Paul, or changes his name at least, that life was pretty good before God entered the picture. Not eternally speaking for him, but from an earthly perspective, he was wealthy, he was respected, he was on his way to earthly success. And then God showed up on that road to Emmaus. Jesus changed his life for eternity and also 
Since that time, his life on earth became way more difficult. Paul had every reason to harbor bitterness and anger. His life was not an easy life, but even so, when it comes to anger, Paul says, you can get rid of it. When it comes to bitterness, this man who had every reason to be bitter says, you can be free of it. And not only does he say it's possible, he did it. Not perfectly. Paul was a sinner just like you and me but he was able to navigate that anger and that bitterness. And he shares with us the key. He shares with us one of the foundational parts of how do we navigate this anger? Next verse, verse 32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another Tough word, forgiving each other. You know, when your issue for anger is with God, as we talked about last week, we need to learn to grow in our trust of him and his plan and his perfect direction for us. But when your anger is due to what someone else has done to us, whether big or small, we need to learn to forgive. It's hard for some of us it's a lifetime's work that we need to continue to work on, continue to go back to of learning what it is to forgive. But it's true, if you want to travel light, if we want to live happy and joyful and at peace, let me just tell you about that road, number two, that the road on which we travel light is paved with forgiveness if we're wanting to live in joy and peace, if we want to travel light, friends, that road is paved with forgiveness. And I think sometimes maybe the reason why we have a hard time with forgiveness in part is because there's lots of misconceptions about what forgiveness is and how it feels and what it looks like. And so I think it's really important for us to be reminded of what it is and what it is not, okay? So first of all, what it is not. Forgiveness doesn't mean minimizing the seriousness of the offense. I think this is a, a big issue for some of us because some of the offenses that we have faced are huge. They forever affected the trajectory of our life. And to just forgive, to just do this, seems a little bit like we're letting them off the hook, as if God is kind of saying, you know, it's not that big of a deal, just move on. Let me be clear. 
If what happened to you is a big deal to you, it's a big deal to God too. He cares about it. And to forgive doesn't mean that we're minimizing the seriousness of what happened. Another thing to remember is that forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation. This is huge for us to remember and will direct you in what forgiveness looks like. Let me define reconciliation. Uh, Reconciliation is restoring a relationship back to what it was like before the offense. And there's a couple reasons why forgiveness doesn't always mean that that's going to happen. The first is this, that you can't control what the other person is going to do. One person said it this way, that reconciliation is a two-person sport. Forgiveness is a one-person sport. Forgiveness has no bearing on how the other person reacts. Forgiveness is something we can do regardless of whether the other person wants it or not. Reconciliation takes two. Forgiveness only takes one. And so reconciliation may not happen. The other part of this, forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation, is that in many cases, or in some I should say, it's probably not even healthy to restore the relationship back to what it was in some cases. I I think of cases of physical abuse or sexual abuse um, or emotional abuse. And there's, there's other examples too of this, but sometimes that's not even the goal in forgiveness to restore the relationship back to exactly what it was. In fact, in my research this past week, I, one pastor put it this way, that there's a difference between putting up a wall between people and we don't want walls between people or putting up boundaries. And in some relationships, when we've been hurt, we don't want there to be a wall but there needs to be boundaries. And in fact, sometimes the right boundaries allow for there to be a healthy relationship where if there weren't boundaries, there couldn't be or there wouldn't be. So forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation. And last thing, forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Wouldn't that be nice in some cases? It'd make it a lot easier. If we were just like computers and we could just go into the the recycle bin and empty all, right? Get rid of it all. But that's, that's just not the way we're wired. And so sometimes the thing that's hurt us will never be able to totally forget. We won't be able to totally forget the words that were said or the actions that were done. And yet, that doesn't mean we can't forgive. Let me describe forgiveness this way. So what is forgiveness? Well, think about it this way. This is how the Bible describes it. When there is a hurt, there is a debt. When someone hurts you, there's a debt that's been incurred. Something in a way that they kind of owe you. So for instance, let's say you had 
a childhood that was not happy because of how your parents interacted or how they, they treated you. Their offense caused there to be a debt. The debt was you did not have a happy childhood. Or, or maybe in certain offenses, the debt was the ability not to be able to be with my children every single day and to raise them on a daily basis. Or maybe it was the loss of a job opportunity. Maybe the debt incurred was the loss of income. Maybe it was your peace. Maybe it was your self-confidence. Maybe the debt was your joy. The list can go on and on. But whenever there's a hurt, when someone hurts you, there's a debt that's incurred. Do you know what we do with that nowadays? When someone's hurt us? When they owe us something? When we aren't happy with what they've done or what they've said? Nowadays, it's popular to do this. Let's cancel the person. If you don't agree with me, I don't want to listen to you. Because that person has done wrong, well, then they're inherently wrong, and you don't deserve a second chance. You don't deserve me to listen to you. You don't deserve anything from me. We, so we just live in this cancel culture of canceling the person. And again, don't get me wrong, there are times where we need to build boundaries, not walls. And we certainly have never been directed just to cancel someone as a person. But interestingly enough, forgiveness biblically does have to do with counseling or canceling. Not the person, but number three, forgiveness is the decision to cancel the debt. The debt owed you. What it means to forgive is that you're not going to spend the rest of your life waiting for that person to make it right. What it means to forgive someone that's harmed you is that you're not going to spend your life waiting for the apology that may not ever come because you can't force it out of them. What it means to forgive is you cancel the debt, you get rid of it. Maybe you pray for reconciliation or you pray for that apology, but you're not going to wait around emotionally or physically for something to happen that, let's be honest, in many cases, the person who hurt us already has moved on. And they don't even realize maybe the depths of which they've hurt us. And so we can spend our lives traveling with this burden of anger and bitterness that the other person doesn't even realize or care about, or we can do what God directs and we can cancel that debt and travel light. It makes sense, doesn't it? And yet it is so, so hard. It makes sense. And even 
in certain seasons or days where I'm able to do that. There are other times where that hurt comes back and we're going, we're going to have those days depending on what the hurt was. We're going to have those moments where we don't navigate anger the way we would want to or the way that we should. But in a, a world that would think that this type of canceling the debt is weak and they don't even understand it, let me tell you this. Only forgiven people have real motivation to forgive others. You see, if you haven't experienced forgiveness, you're not going to be able to, or unlikely at least, to be able to forgive the way that God directs his children to do. And that's why it doesn't make sense to so many people because only forgiven people have real motivation to forgive. We're giving that which has changed our life if we've already received. And, and that's exactly what Paul says at the end of verse 32. He comes back to this. He says it this way. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as. Like you've already experienced this. You've already received this. I'm asking you to do in a smaller way of something way bigger that I've already done for you, just as in Christ, God canceled your debt. God forgave you. That Christ forgiving us, that's why we're here in this room or online. Yes, God's word has direction for us when it comes to how to deal with anger and what it looks like to make a difference in this world, but that's not why we're here. Those are fruits of the central message, which is this, that God canceled your debt. And what a debt it was. Think about all the ways that we disobey God, that we offend him in our thoughts, in our actions, all the shoulda, woulda, couldas that we have in our lives, the good intentions, our lives are littered with good intentions that have not come to fruition, aren't they? In fact, I sometimes relate with David, King David, in one of his low moments as he was struggling with some of the things in his past, his sin, he said this, Psalm 51, for <laughs> I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. It's heavy, isn't it, sometimes, living with ourselves. It's difficult sometimes coming up against the same sin, the same fall, the same attitude. You've been there. You've felt that. But the amazing message of the gospel is that God has canceled your debt. We don't need to carry our debt 
with us. When Jesus died and rose again, he said, quit trying to make up for it. You couldn't do it anyway, but travel light because I've taken away your sin. I've taken away your guilt. Quit trying to to be perfect to get into heaven, to have me love you. I loved you while you were still sinners. That's why I sent Jesus. God saw this huge debt that we owed and he canceled it. What an amazing blessing What an amazing activity in our lives. And it it changes everything, doesn't it? (laughs) Number four, forgiving others only makes sense when we remember that Jesus forgave us. Last week, we talked about changing your focus. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the offense or are you focusing on Christ? This is so huge, guys. Because everything in us, in our sinful nature, wants to focus on the things that are negative, on the things that, that, have, that have hurt us. And if we do that, we're going to find ourselves very quickly in a life filled with bitterness and frustration and outrage. But when we recognize the amazing blessing we've received, Like, think about the best news you ever got, whether that was, it's a boy or it's a girl, or she said yes when I asked her to marry, whatever that might be for you. The best news. It was pretty hard to be bitter for the rest of the day, right? The same things that cause you frustration on other days might've even happened that day, but somehow they're not as big of a deal when you receive good news. That's what it looks like to live in grace. It doesn't mean there's not hurts. It doesn't mean that there's not frustrations. They just need to be minimized when our hearts are focused on the amazing life-changing work of Christ. (laughs) You know, there's also a quick side benefit to forgiveness. It's something important to understand that, uh, in fact, holding on to offense doesn't hurt your offender. It allows them to keep hurting you. So why would we hold on? This isn't easy. This is a daily battle. But why would we hold on? God wants something better for us to live free, to travel light. So in kind of summary, in conclusion, I want to give you a very easy three-step process. So let me say, the steps are easy. Actually doing it might take a lifetime, okay? But it's gathered around three C's when it comes to a process towards forgiveness. The first thing is this to clarify who you are angry with. And for some of you, that'll take like two seconds. It's Frank. It's gotta be Frank or it's gotta be Fred or it's got, you just know who it is. For others of us, 
maybe we've been spending a lot of our life being angry at some people, but if we stop to think about it, we were just bringing anger from another season or another relationship into this new season or in this new relationship, and we think it's this person or these people, but it, it really started here. Clarify who you're angry with. Number two, this is just in your heart. This is on your own. Count what was taken. Encouragement even to write it down. And we, we talked about wherever there's offense, wherever you've been hurt, there's a debt. It can be really helpful. To, what was taken? Was it your reputation? Was it happiness? Was it an early retirement? What was taken? And, and write that down is the encouragement. Spend time thinking about exactly what was owed you. And instead of trying to get that out of the person, number three, cancel the debt. And in my, my study for this weekend, uh, one pastor encouraged making that almost an event where if you write a list and you put it in an envelope, take a big red or black marker and write canceled on that envelope and put it on a bookshelf or in a drawer. And when you feel those feelings of angst coming up again, take it out and remember that it's been canceled, that we canceled that debt. Or, or maybe you tear it up and throw it away and you've got that memory of what happened to that debt You see, we, we live in an age and a, a time where so many people have no idea what to do with their anger. And maybe one other thing, should we be surprised when people who don't know Jesus act like people who don't know Jesus? It's gonna happen, isn't it? But we can be different. Not perfect, but better. God has given us not only the direction as to what to do with our anger and to forgive, but he's given us every reason to do it as he took our sin, our debt, and canceled it. And so I don't know what this week will bring, or next month. And God has never promised to free us from every difficult earthly thing this side of heaven. But he has said that we can have a freedom of heart and a freedom of soul, that we can travel light. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your direction. We thank you for uh, the love that you showed to us uh, as you took our big debt of sin and through Jesus Christ, you, you canceled it. We don't need to worry about our sin anymore. Our relationship with you is perfect. Not because we are, 
but because Jesus was. Lord, we're not gonna be able to forgive as perfectly as you did or do. And in those moments where we're harboring grudges, where we're, we're, we're angry and bitter, forgive us and direct us quickly, not to the hurt, but to your son. May we learn what it means to travel light as we let go of offense, as we cancel debts, as we, by your grace, learn what it means to love in a world filled with hate. I pray for your blessing, Lord, and your presence with us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.